FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 252 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snick! <laughs> Got it everywhere. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, <laughs> but um, yes, I, I am your host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by uh, Dan Cole from the Intercomics Podcast and Georgie V. And we'll probably have some uh, free... No cost chime in from Denise. <laughs> How you guys doing? All, all good, all good. Good. Let's do this. Let's do it. All right. So, it is our fifth anniversary part three. We're gonna wrap up the weapons of mutant destruction and then also talk about everything else that came out in the last couple of weeks. So that's what we're gonna do. You guys ready to roll? Oh, before we get started. Uh, to be fair, I know, Dan, I just started the episode on Intercomics Podcast. We are talking about it. So I know you probably already shared your opinions, and I'll hear them shortly. But, uh, Georgie, um, have you all watched Defenders yet? Oh, yes. Right. Um, so we've only so watched one episode, so I want to throw that out there first. But um, okay. we did just start it the other night. I, I, I think Dan and I talked about this a little bit. Um, I, I it was... It um, it benefits from being only like eight eight or nine episodes. They cut out a lot of the filler. Um, okay. It feels like a really well done like event comic book, in that there's one storyline. The characters come together, and they have one purpose, and they move towards it. The action was great. Um, I think they redeemed uh, Iron Fist a good bit. Uh, the the chemistry was wonderful. Like I uh, I have watched several of the fight scenes over and over again. So oh, nice. uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. There was there was almost zero fighting in that first episode, but <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> when the episode, when they come together, I think you're really like... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, we, we haven't actually... We talked about it a little bit on... The podcast, but I think we're doing it properly next time. Oh, perfect. I'll try to watch more episodes so, by then. But um, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, there was not enough filler for me. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and Sigourney Weaver oh, yeah. is a legend. Um, and I think it just, it just, it just, everything George said, I echo, I think it just works really well. Awesome. So, well, weird. We are definitely looking forward to making some more time to get into it. So You should. Yep. But, yeah, awesome. Well, Georgie, we're going to start off with you. We're going to talk about the end of Weapons of Mutant Destruction, the conclusion, and then the next storyline, which continues Weapons of Mutant Destruction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just keeps on rolling. <laughs> So before we, we get going, I, I, you know, looking at the list of comics we're going to talk about, and, and this book says conclusion, so I saved it for the second book to read. 
And then I'm reading Weapon X. I'm going, wait a second. I'm missing something. Did I miss a book? <laughs> They're like, did I miss a month? What's going on? Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this. That's my week, that's my fault for making us wait a week. Yeah. I think one of the earlier issues also said like part six and part <laughs> five, but they were switched. It's like, I don't know what's going on with the, the timeline in this book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I, I think I was telling you before we recorded, um, I feel like this conclusion is just the end of this, this trade. And then the story is just going to keep rolling. Actually, I think really the only reason it's technically a conclusion is I think sadly, and we'll talk about it as you get into the comic I think it's going to be the exit of Amadeus from the storyline. And I think that's really the, right. the conclusion of his part. So, which right. is unfortunate. But anyway, so totally awesome Hulk number 22. What do we got there? Oh, no. I, don't we need to do... Oh, never mind. That is the right book. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Totally awesome Hulk. <laughs> uh, writer, Greg Pak. Artist, Robert Gill. Colorist, Nolan Woodard. Letterer, VCs, Corey Pettit. Mm-hmm. All right, and cover artist is the Stone House. Yeah, that's Stone. Like a pro wrestler House. So, what do you, what do you guys think of the cover? I kind of like it. Um, we got Goblin Sabretooth, <laughs> and then I thought it's weird because the glass is broken out and almost looks like Phantom X goggles, and then it's focused on his nip nips. And so I was like, you're obviously supposed to look at his big nipple, hook nipples. But um, I also thought it was weird that the title goes right over his face. Yeah, they don't want you to know who it is right away, right? I guess so. Mystery. Yeah. I like the color. I like the color work. I do mm-hmm. too. I like the green, all the green for the Hulk. It looks good. I feel like Domino is is still like... I'm not quite certain who that character is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why Lady Deathstrike's looking at Logan? us. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe Lady Deathstrike's yelling, Logan, come here! <laughs> that's why she's she's looking straight at the reader. But, um, yeah. Well, it's, it's a fine cover. Yeah, all right. Moving on to the story. Come on, flip through. So last time we left off, uh, the team was just breaking into the underground base and uh, one of the weapon H's was about to break out. So we're introduced to uh, the mid-fight with this first, uh, is this Beta, I believe? Yes. And Beta is all kinds of messed up. Uh, he's got like boils all along the left side of his face. His eyes like bugging out, um, <laughs> but he's holding together. Unlike the previous Tess, um, wh- what do you guys think about this this monster here? Uh, it's definitely uh, gross. Reminds me of the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yeah. Where's his right. mouth? Yeah, his tutu. Oh man. Yeah, he does. I didn't think about that, but you're totally right. At least I'm one of his hands like Mel. I just, uh, in that in the first in that first panel is his, is his hand metal? Yes, uh, his yeah. left arm is Terminator style, but still uh, has claws. So Terminator with claws, which 
I don't remember from the movie, but there was a T2 action figure where uh-huh. he had a big, metal, a big metal rod come out of his fist. Like it slid in and out of his forearm. So uh-huh. I, remember, I remember that. But Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Taking it back. Yep, yep. Is, hey, is Amadeus supposed to be this big? I was. I think he's really disproportionate. His hands are massive, but his little yes. body's waist <laughs> is like really small. What's going on there? Yeah, because he grabs our hero or our our what our team <laughs> grabs our team and picks them all up like he's like a giant. Yeah, I mean. Getting into the story, um, Warpath and Domino are sort of on on their own fighting this monster, and Amadeus Cho is sort of bickering with the other t- uh, members of Weapon X, like, no, we're not going to kill him, we need to, to save him, and he sort of has enough, he slams him down, and he goes in to uh, equal parts help out uh, Warpath and Domino, and to take the fight to uh, Mr. Beta here. What do you guys think of these action scenes? Domino's running up the wall again. Oh, yeah. She does love to do that. Um, <laughs> I don't think they get... I don't think they're that interesting until... until a little later. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm flicking through and still thinking it's not even that interesting a little later either. <laughs> but, um... It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. All right. So then uh, Dr. Alba shows up. Um, she's the one that's been leading all the experiments, and she's the one with the constantly shifting facial features. <laughs> she's got like a she's got like a neo-Nazi haircut in this episode, this this issue. Right. Um, but she's basically saying that uh, the beta here, she's like erased all of his memories and just left him with with anger, right. and that's why he's just like charging and attacking, and she's quite. Quite happy with the progress. Yeah, because yeah, Amadeus does a typical hero thing. He, he tries to appeal to what humanity might be left in our our Bobby kid here, who got turned into this monster. And and Jessica Alba's like, nope, nothing left. Yeah, that's basically it. And so while uh, half the team is sort of underground fighting the monster, the other half of the team is above ground trying to save people, even though. Um, some members of the team aren't really uh, into saving people, i.e. Domino and uh, Lady Deathstrike there. I thought Domino would be. I thought, I know she's a mercenary, but I thought she was still sort of a generally okay person. <laughs> like, she wouldn't want just mass death on her doorstep. <laughs> well, I'm not saying like she's, she's like trying to kill people all the time, but I, I don't think it's her MO to be like the hero type either, right? Yeah. True. Well, thanks to Wikipedia, um, <laughs> uh, Warpath is basically Superman. Right. <laughs> like ca- catching catching cars and fly. I, d- I didn't even know he could fly. Right. Well, so I have a question, George. We've got uh, Amadeus Cho is like, all right, I got to step it up. So I, I guess this is sort of like in his mindscape. There's this this car with this giant trunk that's sort of locked shut that has the Hulk inside that he's been sort of restraining and he decides it's time to let him out. Um, and 
which has been which is which is a massive pay- for the book itself for the actual book it's a massive payoff yeah yeah because they've had that since like issue one and a and great I think page and I think the way do for people reading the Totally Awesome Hulk, I think this is the most. It's like that firework where you light and it just gets. <laughs> um, it, it just doesn't feel like the right place to do this payoff. Right. Exactly. It's, it's it been more like tension and more like danger, like like if, if it's this or nothing, right. then that would you know made it more exciting, but it doesn't feel like they're in such dire straits that it needs to do this. Right. Like if that, if, if, um, Toxic Avenger had sliced Logan in half and ripped off Sabretooth's head and then like was about to murder Lady Deathstrike, then I'd understand him going full. Right. Right. Full or, you know, maybe a different story and his sister's in danger. Right. Sure. Yes. Kind of, kind that of would tie into that sense. really personal, like, okay, I have to save her no matter what. Right. And, and it is a great-looking page, but I agree with you. I think sure. if you're reading the book all along, um, it, it would be a little bit of a letdown. To be fair, I don't think the artwork here is, like, standout amazing, but I wouldn't say that the artwork is at fault for, for any of the, the bad parts of this issue. No. It gets steadily better as it carries on. <laughs> yeah. The art. So then, um, as they're fighting, we cut back to the laboratory, and Dr. Alva is about ready to let out um, Alpha. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. And, type, type, type. I wish would have made it a little more clear which one was Alpha and which one was Beta, because I, I, I didn't remember uh, <laughs> right. who was the, the Bobby character they were trying to help and who was the other guy who was just like a, a douchebag who was going into the program. Right. But yeah, he... I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I generally thought the Bobby guy was Alpha, but <laughs> I, I'm really confused. Yes, it's it's better explained in the next issue of the next. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think of the design of this other this Alpha character? I like that he's gray. I don't really know if there's a reason or we're told why, but it's interesting that he's right. gray instead of green. Um, the backpack and the rods and stuff are kind of tie into like Weapon X. But I, like the, I like the fact that he's like, um, he feels kind of like an amalgamation of like Hulk's first appearance, uh, a bit of Mr. Fix-It slash um, possibly even Red Hulk, and then the Wolverine um, lightning rods. Attached to him. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The Krypton crystals coming out of him. Right. But... All right, so back uh, on the surface, we've got Hulk fighting Beta, and he's sort of taking him out um, until Alpha shows up, and then, like, Sludge Monster, T- Toxic Avenger, gets back up and starts stabbing uh, Amadeus Cho here. What do you think of the, the fight scene here, Dan? Is this where things get better? Um, yes, sort of. I don't think it fully pays off three giant superpowered monsters fighting each other. Though I do love the panel where, spoiler alert, um, Alpha just um, shagunks uh, the head off Toxic Avenger. With Amadeus, I'm like, damn it. And bleeding. 
Yes, you are. Yeah, you know, I have a question. Maybe we, I'll save it for the end. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's so anticlimactic. Like, they've been following this character for like eight issues. Like, oh, they're going to try and save him. And then unceremoniously, his head is just like chopped off. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. I agree with <laughs> I agree with Ollie as well. Yeah. Yeah. So then we find out that um Dr. Uh Alba was trying to control Alpha. That's a, it's a bit of a tongue twister. But unfortunately <laughs> she left too much of his memories in there and so he's not happy with her. And right. he's about to attack all the cultists. Um I don't know. I feel like there's no direction in, in what's happening. Like it goes from left to right to up to down, the story-wise. Like there's, I start to lose cohesion about this part of the book on on what people's motivations are and what they're trying to do. Right, I did too. Um, yeah. So anyway, they fight off the guy. Uh, Domino finds her trusty jetpack. Mm-hmm. There's an earthquake, I guess, from the underground complex. Uh, so then what happens, Georgie, at the end here? So at the end, there's about to be a showdown, and then Alpha hops away like the Hulks like the hop. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping Hulks. Sabretooth and, and Amadeus have a shouting fight, and Amadeus is like, Love you. you guys, I'm out of here. Right. And then they're like, we're Weapon X. We're cool. <laughs> I don't know. What did you guys think about this issue? I feel like it's insane that Amadeus, Amadeus not going to be a part of this whole hunting down a Hulk yeah, story anymore. Yeah, I understand because, like, why he'd be... So, here's maybe a better story, right, than I think what we're going to get. Like, I, I understand why he's mad, why he has ideological differences, why he would leave the team. But I think the better story is, though, he's not going to let this Hulk go. So maybe it just turns into they hunt him down separately and you know at the end they have to come back together or whatever maybe that's too much of a cliche but it makes more sense to me than him just washing his hands of the whole thing like, that doesn't... doesn't seem like him no it, it doesn't, doesn't seem like what he would have done not especially since this storyline the way the storyline has as has, 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 like panned out it, yeah fair enough if he's like you guys are just too much for me um and he leaves but to, for him to be like that's it. I'm done. I'm out. Tap out. Next storyline. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, you know I mean, it just doesn't seem right. I I know there's that legacy looming above everyone's heads, right? Like a guillotine, and he has to go and do whatever he's going to do in that thing. But why can't he go hunt him down as well? <laughs> like, it really does feel a lot like we had this crossover sort of force in the teams. And I want to get back to like doing my Hulk story. So I'm like, just this is the end of that crossover. So I'm making a clean cut. I'm going back to what I'm going to do. You guys do what you're going to do instead right. of like an organic um, continuation of the character motivations here. Yeah. So, also, so like, go read Weapon X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think overall? Well, I hate the claws on Toxic Avenger. They're those toothpick claws we talked about last time. Right. I did not care for them. Looked a little better on uh, Gray Alpha. Um, but, I don't know. It felt... 
I thought the art was fine. Right. Uh, had some nice moments, and then the rest of it was just kind of okay. Um, the story just felt like a mess to me. I don't know. Yes. When it's it, too it bad. Like it, had to, it felt like it was like, right, so we've been sort of, we had that issue where we just treaded water and that other one, which we probably shouldn't have done. Because <laughs> now we're going to have to rush all of it to the end. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And, like, when um, the woman that looks sometimes like a man that has the Carol Danvers haircut but then looks like Quentin Quire yes. is, like, <laughs> pointing, a, point, pointing a key fob at him, trying to control this Hulk, I was like, is she trying to, like, close his doors? Or I don't, I don't right. really. Beep, beep. And, and then, uh, sometimes cliches work, but this whole, oh, I was trying to control him and now I can't control him. Thing was like, oh, of course you can't control him. Yeah. <laughs> like generally, the only interesting thing was the fact that he didn't kill them or even attack. He just bumped, jumped, jumped off like he had enough. Well, so was, that's that's my question. So she claims that his whole thing is that he was bred to, and much to Stryker's chagrin, that he was bred to attack the most dominant threat, regarding. Not really concerned whether it was a mutant or not. And so when he saw Hulk and Toxic Avenger fighting, he decapitated Toxic Avenger because it was the bigger threat, I guess, because it had claws. Um, but I'm wondering if he was in some way protecting Amadeus because he knew the Toxic Avenger Hulk was bad. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this, Am I grasping maybe this guy is, is super nice. <laughs> well, but that would explain why he kind of just leaves at the end because he feels like, okay, we fought the same guy. Y'all helped me out a little bit. So I'm not going to, we're not friends, but I'm just going to kind of jump off and see you later. It's the new Hulk book. It's the Super Nice Hulk. Yeah. Super, super, super Nice Super, hulk. super Nice Hulk. <laughs> it does have, my, I'm going to have to say this for every issue, but my favorite panel of the the issue is when uh, Super Nice Hulk and Nazi scientist uh, wannabe are stood and they're both looking up. For some reason, I just think if you just ignore the dialogue, I just think it looks like a advert for like a really dysfunctional family <laughs> TV show. Right, it's, like, it's quite a nice little image. Um, art-wise, I think it's it's fine. It does its job, but it started so strong and it's ended on like a whimper. Yeah, it's like, like like it's a, like it's a wound animal and it just had to like limp away and die in the forest. Um, let's hope it gets better. It's a shame that Amadeus has gone. Yeah, really enjoyed his interaction with the team, and yeah, you know, I knew it wouldn't last forever, but I was hoping it'd, it'd carry a little bit past the crossover. I don't know. They should have just, you know, because everyone everyone wants Bruce Banner to come back and all that jazz. They should have just put just put Amadeus in Weapon X and give Banner the Hulk book and be like, there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> so, how do you guys want to rate this? Well, I, I want to go to the last page where we start the Weapon X band because obviously uh, Creed is the lead singer, Warpath is the bass player, <laughs> <laughs> Logan's the drummer, <laughs> Domino's the manager, and Deathstrike's going to tickle the ivories, maybe? I don't know. 
That is such a band <laughs> shot. Because <laughs> Creed, oh, Creed, Sabretooth, looks like he's about to join Creed. His wind's blowing in the hair. He's got a yeah. stupid wife beater on. All he needs is a glitter shirt unbuttoned on top of that, and he'd be Scott Stepp. Uh. With arms wide open. Oh, damn. All right, so okay, someone flash. says... <laughs> Please stop. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I wanted... I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt and kind of edge it up to a four. I don't know. What, what are you guys doing? Um, I think it's quite a bit of a disappointment. and It's quite muddy and messy. Like, pretty much the moment... Um, Grey Hulk, Hulkarine, Wolver Hulk, whatever you want to call him, Wolverine, steps out of, yeah. steps out of the, the vat. I think it's like a two and two, two, a high two. It's not quite like terrible, because yeah, it's not too bad and everything. But I just don't think it's very readable. Right. Um, it's. I agree. It's not really readable. It feels rushed, like you said, Dan. Um, the artwork is, is fine. There are a couple of quite nice panels, but also a couple of panels that are iffy. I think I'm going to give it a, a low three, meaning like fine, but but unforgettable, uh, but forgettable. Like I won't remember this in, in a week's time. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. And then that settles it. I'm going to go three out of six as well. Uh, I may have. Yeah, I don't know. It just. This is this was the payoff issue, the conclusion, and it just felt like the weakest one. I don't know. It's right. Weird. And it's not really a conclusion. It's more like a come back next week for the rest of the story. Right, but without the Hulk. <laughs> yes. So, speaking of which, we're going to move from Totally Awesome Hulk number 22 to Weapon X number 7. All right. Weapon X number 7. Writers Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenty. Artist Mark Borstel and Ibram Robertson, colorist Frank Darmada, and letterer VCs Joe Caramagna. So, um, first starting off with the cover, we've yeah. got uh, the Hulk skin. face with the, oh, let me clarify that, like the weapon H alpha Hulk <laughs> face with the uh, claws coming up in front of him. And on the reflection of the three claws are Sabretooth. Uh, old Man Logan and Domino. Um, what do you guys think? I really like. I really like it. I think it's got like. A, I love his. I love his face. Yeah, like I it's really it. menacing and really sort of so beautiful. The, the fact that the, the, the highlights on his brow, just right. where and Shroff, I think it's so beautifully coloured, and it's got such. I, I, the faces in the claws are fine, but if you just took them away, it would be even better. I feel right. with just the claws in his face. It's just. It's such a like sort of. This is what should be selling because let's be fun, let's be fair. A Wolverine Hulk hybrid is almost nineties in its idea, <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is the sort of stuff you want to like properly sell the imagery and to sell him as like a menacing threat. And I just yeah. I adore uh, the image. Uh, to be fair, it's my probably my favorite cover that we're going to look at today. I wouldn't so. say it's a pretty good shot. Yeah. Cool. So, what do we think? And not to not to hijack the conversation from Georgie, but what's up with the writing combo here? 
I mean, Greg Pak's been running this story and this book by himself. Um, is are we uh, are, are we looking at a I transition? Think, I think Pak might move to solely totally awesome Hulk come Legacy, and okay, um, that would probably mean that unless he's just helping out because Pak Pak has to write all of his Legacy books real quick, right? Maybe so because um, they're probably like trip trip shipping every <laughs> week come come uh, whatever. Because um, it'd be a shame if he leaves Weapon X. Yes, it would. Um, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we we know Greg Land is leaving, right? Or he's already left. Yeah, he's gone. So, um, I mean, we know that some other teams are are changing. The creative teams are changing, and some other books as well as Generations is approaching. So, right. I mean, we could see Greg Land, uh, Greg Park uh, leaving this as well. Um, but that that would definitely be a shame. Um, because the artwork doesn't quite stand up uh, to what we had before, Mm-mm. and if Greg Park leaves the story, I'm not. I'm really worried what will happen to this this team, this yeah. book. Right. Well, what happens in this book? What happens in this book is that. Uh, so, what is Alpha's name? Do you guys know? Oh, it says um, shoot. Clay, right? I think it's Clay. Dan, we say underwear on this side of the ocean. Oh, sorry. Man in underwear is is his name from now on. Underoos, whatever you want to call him. Crew cut in underwear is... He's walking along the side of the road. Yeah, I hear the old Hulk TV music here. Yeah. (laughs) And he convinces some old dude who's who's driving a... uh, 18-wheeler here to pick him up and take him somewhere. Um, they get in. He gets in the, the truck. They have sort of a really awkward conversation. Everyone's face looks like oddly, I don't know, plasticky. I don't quite quite enjoy how the artist renders most of the yeah, characters. We'll call it Borstoli. It, like, it looks like Steve Dillon. Sort of reminds me of Steve Dillon. Sort of yeah, less interesting, places. but yeah. I feel like everyone's an action figure, like molded out of plastic. <laughs> um, there's does, a, he have one, does he have one? Oh, no, that's just my, my eyes are going... For one, one second, I thought the guy had one blue eye, one green eye. But no. I think I've just gone crazy. To be honest, the first time I saw him on the road, I'm like, when did Namor like, join this story? Right, I thought that too. Yeah. And this little flat top almost has a widow's peak, not quite. Yeah. And yeah. he has sort of the Namor shorts going on. Yeah. So eventually they go to like a, a truck stop uh, for a break. And then they are attacked by androids. It was a scary moment. Right, guys? Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so basically they just revealed that, that the guy driving the truck was part of Weapon H. And they've been tracking this guy, so they're trying to bring him in. Uh, they, uh, not sabotage, they, uh, lay a trap for him and then they attack. And how does the attack go? Snicked. Best panel of the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not just saying that because it's, it's what the podcast is named after. It is literally my favorite panel of the book. It's minimalist uh, think... and has nice color. It's kind of violent, but without gore. Um, and all the rest of the art kind of sucks. So. And I think it's the cleverest 
at the cleverest, uh, the best, the, the most intelligent use of that word and in a narrative sense. Because the fact they repeat it as well, which I think is quite nice. Right. Mm. Well, we don't, we don't see the action. We just, we just know that <laughs> he's devastation. Yeah. That would be a good name for him. Devastation. Well, um, what do you think of the flashbacks to him being essentially, it would seem, Psychotic. an insane yeah. murderer? Um, I guess when we're setting up so he can redeem that. I guess I don't know. I, I didn't really care. <laughs> he looks like a whole different character in those images. I wasn't sure what was happening. Right. Yeah, but obviously he was like, I mean, he's Joker esque, where he's flame torching these villagers in whatever jungle they're in. Um, so, yeah, he was a bad dude, bad crazy dude, and now he's a Hulk and a Wolverine. Right. So, um, the next page, my computer is refusing to load. I have the pages afterward, but the, the next page I can't see, so I don't. I, I'm sort of uh, blank here. Striker has Alba tied up, and they're trying to track the the weapon Alpha. Right, and then we cut over to Weapon X in the woods, chopping down trees and tracking people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the three best mutant trackers on the planet. Uh, Sabretooth, Old Man Logan, and Warpath. Yeah. I mean, I guess they don't really Is that on the Wikipedia page? Third best mutant tracker on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Technically, he's better than the other two, because he knows where they're going. Yes. True, yeah. I actually quite like the little bits of dialogue. This this feels more like what we were looking at before. Yes. Or reading before. What I didn't like was back on the the ship, Domino's like, well, I don't really know how to use computers. I just, like, decide what I want to do, and the fingers do the magic for me. <laughs> like, it's my luck powers. Yes. A little and too then, much. Then, then Logan tries to cock up a plan. Cock up? Cook up a plan <laughs> of, like, using luck powers to smooth the... the um, New Hulk. Yeah, soothe the savage beast. Which I thought was like, which I just thought, please don't. <laughs> just, no. And then we suddenly shift to more flashbacks, and then. I like um, this page. Namor, who's not Namor, starts crying, thinking about them, I guess. It's yeah. not really. It's not clear. And then he. But you find out that he's. He is on the edge of the woods by a river, and he's got blood all over himself. So obviously, this is the aftermath of the bus, uh, rather the truck stop massacre. Right, and he obviously blacks out, which is interesting because he doesn't right. remember what he did. But I really, I enjoyed that page of him with the uh, zooming out of the eyeball. I thought that was the best page of the book. I just. Like I said, I didn't understand what was... Like, it wasn't clear to me that those are flashbacks of the same person. Oh, okay. Until the second time through. Um, I, are we supposed to... Like, wasn't enough time put in this character beforehand, and now we're supposed to start caring about <laughs> like, some of his past suddenly? And they're shoehorning it in so that he has motivation and a redemptive story arc. I'm pretty sure that's where they're going. He's going to, like, 
Because obviously he's crying at the violence, so he's going to feel bad at the monster he was. And now that he's an actual monster, he's going to try to be a better person. I just feel like they didn't put the time in to like, establish the character. No, like, no. I, can't, I don't care about you. <laughs> you were, you were, like two other issues, and you were like, yeah, I'm going to be a Hulk. And now you're the Hulk. You're like, God, it's so tough to be the Hulk. <laughs> um, yeah. So we cut back to the doctor who's like, evil doctor, I must have my Hulk back. She shoots all of these uh, Weapon H guys with uh, Trank darts. Um, have you guys ever watched, oh, damn it, uh, Venture Brothers? A little bit, yeah. Mm. All right, never mind. I was going to reference something. but well, you can you, reference it for the listeners. <laughs> There's, there's an episode where one one of the characters gets addicted to tranquilizer darts. Ah. So he keeps getting ambushed on purpose so that these agents will shoot him <laughs> with tranquilizer darts. Nice. Yeah, that's that's all I thought of. Um, so she sort of takes control of the uh, the base here, the uh, portable base, and then we cut back to our Weapon X team as they're tracking the Hulk, and suddenly Wolverine's like, "Yo, we shouldn't kill him," even though the previous Crossover, I was all about killing this guy. <laughs> now I feel like I shouldn't kill him anymore. <laughs> Do you understand yeah. what, wh- why he made the change? Uh, maybe Cause... Amadeus made him feel bad? I don't know. Um, because the artist changed? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the story demands it, Well, because, I mean, so... And this you can kind of blame the writers for this, right? So going in or coming out of the last story arc uh, with the crossover, everybody on Weapon X is on the same page, right? And then Amadeus was the voice of dissent. When you remove Amadeus from the story, it's really boring if everybody on the team has the same perspective. So someone had to change. I understand that, but like, but it, no, it, it there's clear. no payoff for it. There's no. Like motivation. There's no, yeah. It's just in the previous issues, Wolverine wasn't wavering. Like, well, kid, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. Right. Like, it's tough <laughs> choice. Suddenly, now he's like, no, we got to save the kid. Right. I need just one minute to talk to him. Give me one minute to talk him off the ledge. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of, and it's not said here. This is not explicit at all. It's not even really implied. If you wanted to write this into the story yourself as a longtime Wolverine fan, you could say that he, suddenly he sees similarities, right, with this wild animal running through the woods just like he did when he got out of the Weapon X program. And, you know, the Hudsons were able to kind of save him and retouch him with his humanity. So uh-huh. maybe maybe this is remind, suddenly he's seeing the similarities. He's like, maybe I can be the Hudsons to him. Great story, not in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could see him making that that connection for sure, but as you mentioned, it doesn't actually happen. But continuing on with the quote unquote story, our team is attacked by uh, what are we calling these guys? These cyborg killers. <laughs> They're just Weapon X, Weapon C for cyborg. Sure, Weapon C's attack. Yeah. And action ensues. What do you guys think of these action panels? Well, the cyborgs are far more flimsy than they were in the last um, story arc. Yeah. Because weren't they a, a threat <laughs> in, the last, in the last story arc? Yeah. 
Yep. Threatening enough to make Old Man Logan and Sabretooth put aside their differences. And now they're just kind of back to cannon fodder. All right. And then we have another, I guess now I'm realizing this is a flashback too of our uh, alpha character in the cabin, in the mountains, in the snow, waiting for someone to come by what what is this about like this is so like left field i thought this was like his psyche walking in <laughs> at first i was like is this like twin speaks is his psyche walking into <laughs> the cabin and then he's seeing himself telling himself he's clay that's what i thought not too. made of clay but <laughs> he's clay you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna remind you of who you were kind of thing all right so so i don't know but he doesn't look nice so this our new guy who's scared of violence, his he's got a part of his mind that wants to embrace it again. So I guess that'll be his struggle? Question mark. I guess. Sniff sniff. And then <laughs> sniff, sniff. he wakes up. <laughs> he literally says sniff sniff. Yeah, a double it's sniff. Tough. Yeah, not a double snicked, a double sniff. <laughs> what happens when he? He's done with it. Sniff snap? Is that what it is? Yeah, sniff snap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he wakes up from his uh, unconscious meeting with himself, and the Weapon X team is there, and he's like, all right, guys, let's get down to business. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a snicked. Yeah. So next he, to be oh. continued. I laugh at the next issue. Is just uh, it's this weapon X has been cancelled now because this this creature has just murdered them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, and old man Logan no longer exists, and that's how new oh. man, new, new man, normal past Logan is somehow cracked open from his antimantium egg, and oh. runs off. Yeah, I'm glad you. Day. I'm glad you mentioned that, Dan. So there's a, a toss-off line, and, and I don't remember if it was this issue or the last issue, where they're trying to figure out why the Hulk can shrink and grow with the adamantium skeleton, and many death strikes, well, maybe it's because of the uh, nanites? Right. Anyone want to take a stab at explaining how that could actually work, or are we just going to make it a toss-off well, line as well? You, you could You could say... You could say, but Antimantium is supposedly indestructible, but you could say the nanites... Because I assume she's meaning her retractable fingers. Right. And, like, because she doesn't grow in size. That's true, yeah. Um, so I'm assuming the nanites sort of either dissolve or reposition the fingernails to go in and out. So make you think, I don't know, because can't... Cause sci-fi... Don't, don't nanites like work really fast and build things really quickly, and then they can also like eat and dissolve things really quickly? So maybe that's the whole true. Okay, shebang. Right. Alternatively, it's comics. It doesn't matter. He needs a human yeah. alter ego so we can actually talk to him. Right. It means I, I the, the the one thing that I have disliked about this whole he's a man business um, is because is the fact that he's a man. If I I would have preferred it if he was just the Grey Hulk creature uh-huh. like he doesn't have an alter ego because having an alter ego opens up to what you you've been saying and you sound bored saying it the whole oh we have to connect to his humanity and he's gonna <laughs> have a conflict with himself blah blah whereas i like the fact that he was just and he seemed like an intelligent gray hulk 
right. with claws. Well, and I thought, well, wait, maybe that would be nice. Right. And because you could have really... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm cutting you off. Go ahead. No, I, no, 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 it's fine. It's just, it could, I think that just has a little bit more story potential. Yeah. You turn this into more a of a... um bizarro situation or a Frankenstein situation to me that's much more interesting than another well I'm the Hulk and I'm also Bruce Banner but my Bruce Banner is kind of an evil dick (laughs) (laughs) I don't know maybe I'd rather just have a monster story maybe that's just where I am right now Um, but I just I just feel like he's gonna join the team at some point to fight Striker and the rest of the Weapon X dudes, and then at the very end he's gonna be like, "Am I evil? Am I good? I don't know. I'm just gonna sacrifice myself to show that I'm good." <laughs> Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I like that like, you just you came up with a great nickname for when Wolverine comes back, New Man Logan. New, New Man, Man Logan. Because yeah. <laughs> like, um. What did I read recently? I actually miss normal Wolverine. I know we say this all the time, but I think I read something that before he just died and he just sounded like Wolverine. And Ulman Logan sometimes sounds like Wolverine. Sometimes. Very rarely. And yeah. I'm just like, can't we just have... Because I miss my... Uh, I don't I don't even like Wolverine, and I miss my, like... Oh, it was Generations. That's what <laughs> yeah. I just read. Oh, Generations yeah, that was really good. Beautiful. Yeah. I was like, I miss my sort of fatherly samurai berserker nut job. I, right. I miss him. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I kind of like... I think he would have been such a... Because they are two different characters, and I think it would have made more sense if that Wolverine, not... Old man, I murdered everyone. I'm a, I'm just old and cranky and murder people, depending on the day of the week and what trench coat I wear. Um, <laughs> if if he was the Logan in charge of this Weapon X, it may to me that would, even if it wasn't in the last storyline, I would have been probably sold more on his outlook. If maybe we shouldn't kill him, actually, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't murder him. Because. Um, because I look at the the cast and I'm like, I'm sure like Warpath's not a bad person. Like I thought he was a a hero. Yet he just well he doesn't hardly speak. He's got Storm Syndrome from X-Men. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's barely in this book. But I thought he would have been the dissenting voice, the, like the voice of reason. I thought that's the whole reason he would be picked for the team. Right. Well, like when you as Neither a writer, conscious. when you're writer, right. like this group of characters, you'd think he would be the the heroic choice, the the, the Amadeus. Of the team, mm-hmm. and, I, and because he's not there, we've just got basically psychopaths running around, <laughs> deciding on. What, I don't know. I, I kind of. I don't know. This sounds ridiculous because obviously I was enjoying weapons of mass destruction when it started, but I'm. I'm kind of like. No matter how good your front cover is, inside needs to matter, and I don't think it's there. And I really don't want to see this team, like hunt this. My eyes go red and I black out when I snicked. Um, <laughs> dude, I, I'm just, I found it, I found it boring and a bit sort of like on the nose mm-hmm. with its ideas. And so I'm just, um, I think it looks nice. There's some really nice panels. And I agree that the whole snicked panel is kind of lovely, it, like graffiti style, like you'd see as yeah. a tag out, out in, in the streets. But I just, um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm just not sold at all. 
I feel like I feel like my time with Weapon X is may come to a close for a little bit. Oh, my time, my love affair with it may come to a close. Right. Um, especially especially if it just keeps on like this. I hope this is only like a two, two, three issue storyline. Yeah, I'd like to see them move on to something else, right? Right. Because this is this has been since day one, hasn't it? This whole like running around. Yeah, pretty much having having fun. Which feels like it's a lot more than like... seven issues, I guess, because it's a crossover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I find this this whole constant has been going on forever. All right. Well, how would you guys like to rate this then? Um, Unfortunately, I'm I'm gone, Jason. Sorry. I'm I'm gonna just. Uh, I'll go ahead. I want y'all. I want y'all bend me one way or the other. <laughs> Decide for yourself. No, I'm, no, I, I'm it, between hit, a two and a three. Them. So. I'm I'm hitting it with a two. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I'm also one or two here. I'm. Uh, this is just way, way drawn out, and the character, like I mentioned, I don't have any reason to care about him, and it feels forced to try and make me care about him. The Warpath is even Lady Deathstrike is quite silent throughout this issue. It's like they don't even exist. Um, I, I don't know. I really hope they go in a new direction. I'm two out of six. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Two out of six as well. I did, so I do, not to not to pick on people, I, I did think the second half of the book, Roberson's art, I liked a little better than the first half. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But not enough to, like, excite me. Um, right. I just don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just too long maybe they just did too I don't know but I I went from really enjoying this even this storyline to just not really caring I don't know to be fair I did read all six of our books in the span of an hour and a half last night so um, it could be I'm just grumpy <laughs> we'll see we'll see how the other books go I guess All right, well, let's try to move on to something a little bit more positive then. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, why don't you hit us with Iceman? Iceman. Um, so, uh, very cool X-Men. Um, written by Cinegrace. <laughs> uh, that was such a, this is such a bad, bad thing. It sounds like something Matt would have said. Um, <laughs> right, so, written by Cinegrace, art by, well, penciled by Edgar Zalzar, um, inked by Ed Tadeo? Yeah. Uh, Clueless Rachel, Rachel Rosenberg, um, Lara VCs Joe Sabino, and the Karaist is Kevin Wadder. And I must admit, even I usually like Wadder's artwork, but um, I'm not a massive fan of this cover. Didn't care for it. No. Because no. uh, I think, I think is... the, the, the ice fist is a bit too small. Yeah. Like the spiky fist. Yeah. And then we got Dawkins with his man bun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is, is it Dakin or Dakin? Uh, Georgie. It huh? should be Dakin. Okay. Dakin. Or should it be Dakin? Um, I don't know. Does it mean Does it mean anything? I mean, I can't. I, I don't know just from seeing it in in the alphabet. If I saw what it's supposed to be in Japanese, I could let you know. Um, I, otherwise, I'd have to sort of research it a little bit. I imagine the Ken part has something to do with the sword. But um, I, I just don't know at the moment. Oh. I'm going to pretend so, yeah. it means son of the sword. I'm going with that. 
I like that. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 I like that too. I'll, um, I'll allow it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so apparently this book starts too early in the morning and I, I understand Bobby's pain um, with early starts. Um, at the Xavier Institute and Kitty wearing... Oh, all right, guys, hold on a second. So I oh. have what's probably is trying to be is a, is a mongrel is what it oh. is. Oh. Like a wild dog are the two symbols it would be. Okay, cool. Uh, the, the only other option I have here is keystroke, like when you're punching in on a computer. <laughs> I, I'm going with keystroke. That's what yeah, it means in my head. I like keystroke. <laughs> um, <laughs> keystroke. <laughs> That's the best. Um, anyway, back at Xavier's Institute, where the sun has only just risen and Bobby is only just writing on paper, because, you know, snail mail is the best, apparently. Um, Kitty come in, comes in with her straight person explaining why he should totally come out to his parents, which was awkward to read. Um, <laughs> and then as, 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 as Bobby's just wandering around, two more kids um, from the, the Institute are like, have you, said, have you seen that mutant you rescued? The one that, you know, does those weird things, like amps your powers up. And... Lo and behold, the kid is recording really bad videos on his, I want to say iPhone, um, and he's dressed ridiculously. That hairstyle is insane. <laughs> um, and so they, Kitty and, um, well, Bobby and Kitty decide that they're going to have to go find him because they don't, they don't like the fact that he's like run away, and they have to go to an exclusive event and. While Kitty's like, what should we do to get in? Bobby just puts on a ridiculous tuxedo and decides to um, infiltrate the place as a ice sculpture expert, which I thought was clever. Yeah, um, I like that. As, as he goes through, lo and behold, there is... Um, <laughs> Wild <laughs> dog. <laughs> There's Mongol, or however you want to call him. Keystroke um, is there waiting. <laughs> he just, he's just there, and they have a nice little dance. And as always... Um, his overbearing sexual sexual um, sort of predatory instincts. Um, it was all over Iceman, but Bobby's like, no, I'll freeze you insides and walk away, um, which a bit harsh if you ask me. Um, <laughs> and then he has, you know, he, he finds the kid, and obviously the kid's like, oh, I can do this with your powers now because um, Dakin has taught me more and the whole idea is bobby is essentially saying come on he's like a psycho come back with us we're not insane and the kid's like no he's super cool and he's totally not using my his pheromone powers to keep me and then all of a sudden it's nothing's chill and they have a fight and bobby essentially beats him yeah bobby totally beats him yeah. um because it's claws it's versus close yeah it's claws versus an omega level mutant <laughs> and um, even though the kid flies off, Bobby's kind of like, I I adore the giant um, snowflake disc. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, and I just love the fact that uh, yeah, d uh, he's just not happy bunny, and um, Bobby smells of fear, and then we go home to. Uh, the next morning, because it's always the morning when we go to Xavier's. It's never the <laughs> evening. And um, 
Bobby's like, oh, hi, Key, blah, blah, blah. Key's wearing some classic Grant Morrison-styled hoodie, which I totally want. And then, boom, parents. And then before they can even say, where's your room? What does the school look like? Bobby looks completely insane and says, I'm gay. That face is just... That's that's just... I don't know what... Is it supposed to be sad face? I think it's, supposed, I think it's supposed to be an exhausted face. You know, exhausted face, yeah, okay. He's like, I'm not, not going to have like a fight or a conversation. Dawkins said I smelled scared. I'll show him. I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, you know, I'm going to tackle this day, but I'm not ready to tackle it. I don't know. That's how I read exactly. the face, whether it should be that way or not. I don't know. <laughs> Well, that, that totally makes sense. I don't feel like uh, speaking about the art a little bit. I really do like the art on this book, yeah, and me I've too. been I've been liking all the different artists they've they've had on here. But I do feel like this final page is sort of a he could have done a little bit something different with that face. It's a little yeah, bit yeah. off. But he's gay, and it's to be continued. And and we are on issue four, and he's finally come out to his parents, which actually in gay years, meh, probably about right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, how did you feel about Iceman number four? And it's jolly old. Let's let's go and have fun with um, the Marvel's one of Marvel's only bisexual characters. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know he was still alive. Didn't he die in the, the, the other book? No, but he did lose his arm. But it took a long time to grow back. But and I still thought he got drowned in a puddle of his own... Well, that, so, yeah, that was before... So that was in Uncanny Avengers, um, where, oh, yeah, yeah. Where, where dear old dad drowned him um, in a shallow pool of blood um, <laughs> because he was going to be a horseman of the apocalypse or something like that. Um, and then he kind of inexplicably... We came back from Wolverines, um, where he was part of the merry band of, of not Wolverines, um, where he lost his arm. And then, um, right, he's recently popped up once or twice in all new Wolverine, um, where he said his arm grew back really slow. And he's kind of trying to turn over a new leaf, but that doesn't match this. Um, but also, he's going to be. Because there's some, like, sons and daughters storyline coming up in All-New Wolverine that's going to be Dawkins and Laura. Um, so that's where he's headed. I kind of feel like this is a almost kind of out-of-time appearance for him, just right. being his own kind of pricky self. Um, he sounds like Dawkins, right? Just kind of unpleasant to read. Um <laughs> Uh, I do like that Iceman is obviously very aware of his healing factor because he's straight up brutal with him. Like, freezes him from the inside, uh, eviscerates him with a giant snowflake. Um, I think mostly because Doctor kept calling him Snowflake. He's like, I got your snowflake right here, bitch. And and just shoves it through his intestines. Um, But Doctor felt like Dawkins and all his unlikable ways. And um, I don't know. I thought the impetus of using this kind of struggle to make Iceman maybe step up as a teacher made sense. Does it make sense for him to... I don't know. I had a question mark. I'm not going to say it doesn't make sense, but I'm not going to say it does for him to kind of turn that into the reason um, 
oh, by the way, I'm not going to talk to my parents until I tell them, you know, come, come clean and come out. Right. So I really, enjoy, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, the whole thing, as usual, Iceman, like looks great. I yeah. would say that I, I was, I was. The claws keep shifting from bone to metal. They did. Which was, yeah. Which is a bit odd. But mm. I still don't understand why he has three claws because wouldn't that just make him bleed to death? The third claw. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so, what annoyed me slightly is the sort of issue I had with the kitty side. But then it's realistic. Got, you got so. issues though, right? She's been very much that way in the other issues as well. Like, yeah, and and it does make sense. It is a realistic thing, but I was kind of hoping that after he kind of was like, they kind of almost sort of sort of buried the hatchet on on her being like that with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought so too. I, I thought I thought that it was a bit sort of two steps back, but then I suppose some people just won't learn. Um, but Kitty shouldn't be one of those people. No, no, it should have been someone else. I feel, and yeah. I do think he needs to. Exp- the the book needs to expand his his his, his uh, group of supporting characters Agreed. outside of Kitty. Um, but I do I do like the fact that he was going to write it in a letter because I I know a lot of people that were going to do it that way then picked picked up the courage to to do it the other yeah, way. Yeah, that felt very so genuine. It is, uh, so it is kind of like a direct sort of thing that happens, um, and. I, I get what you're saying. It's kind of a question mark that like Dakin sort of Dakin Dakin. Sorry, I apologise because nah. it doesn't make sense in my head the way <laughs> to pronounce it that way. Um, um, like the idea that he smells of fear, and I think him confronting that fear is 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 fine as as a, as a moving forward. But it still it's still sort of like is it just? And then like. Why is he recruiting kids anyway? Um, it just seemed a bit odd. He's just going to steal this one random mutant teenager. Right. Um, but I generally thought all of the conversations, um, even between Amp and Bobby, made like sense. And Bobby comes off really well, throughout, yeah. even if he's a bit sort of muddled. And my, my favorite line is whole, like, aren't you supposed to be the fun one or whatever he says? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought you great. were supposed to be the fun, to be fun. Um, and I like that. I kind of like, to be honest, seeing them both dance and have that little, like, sort of passive aggressive flaying was kind of fun to watch. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I really like this issue. Um, maybe not quite as much as the others, uh, but uh, like I said, the artwork felt oddly like um, reminiscent of the 90s, but in a, in a good way. Uh, I think the art direction on this book has been phenomenal uh, since the first issue. And the, the fight scenes are great. I love that he's like, Dokken, I can just treat you like shit because you're just going to grow back anyway. Right, yeah. And I make fun <laughs> of you while I do it. Uh, like, that like, was cute. I do agree Kitty's getting to be annoying, but, you know, to be honest, she's been written pretty poorly in, in her other book as well. So <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of in character. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was another good book. I agree. My one of my favorite panels is that he's just like because obviously when it was described how he makes like those little ice golem things is that he freezes and melts and freezes and melts and make and then like basically stop motion animation so it takes a lot of like. Oh right. Um, I just love the panel of him talking to the kid outside the helicopter and Dake and fighting Dakin with all those guys at the same time. It kind of just speaks at how powerful he is. And it's nice to finally see Iceman as this, like, what he's... Everyone always says he's, like, 
ridiculously powerful, but you never really see much apart from ice slides and a few walls. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to see a lot of versatility um, in his power set. Mm-hmm. So yes. What would you rate it then? Out of claws or icicles? Icicles, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> How many snowflakes? How many snowflakes? Um... I'm probably still going to stay in the five range. Um, but maybe, I don't know. I would say the book overall as a whole is still definitely in that five range. I can maybe be talked down to a four on this one just because Dokken doesn't really make a lot of sense in the. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, why does he have a kid? Why is, you know. And, and just trying to keep up with where it plays into the rest of his continuity. But that aside, I agree with Dan. All the all the dialogue is really good. The art's really good. Yeah, I'm going to stay with the five. Five out of six claws for me. Well, I'm also at a five. Like, even though Doc and I'm not a big fan of, their interactions were great um, in, in this nightclub and on the roof. It's, uh, it's still, I think, one of the best, maybe the best X-Book out there. Five out of six. Yeah, it's easily the best X-Book out there. Um, I'm going to go with five as well. And even though he, um, the guest appearance may not have been um, the best, I kind of would like him to return. Yeah, I can see that. I thought that there's a chemistry there that could be untapped potential for storylines right. later on. So it'd be interesting to see what mongrel or keystroke or whatever you want to call him um, can, 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 can do with, with uh, Bobby. Oh, so yes. Yeah. Spoiler alert. The next cover looks pretty cool. It does. It oh, does with the juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I, do, I, I, we'll talk about that, but pipes question mark is all I'm going to say. Oh. Um, <laughs> It kind of fits with his pre, uh, his I was gonna say presentation, his um, the way he was presented in uh, blue, he kind of had that hardware. Right. Well, talking about blue. Yeah, that's good what, segue. That's, that's where we're going. <laughs> good old segue. Um, so X Men Blue, uh, there is a number somewhere, number nine, and. It's written by Cullen Bunn, art by Corey Smith and Tony Silas, uh, colorist Matt Miller, and um, uh, I want to say Nivilla, but uh, um, there are VCs Joe Carmagnia, Magnia, Magnia, don't, don't ask me, I'm not even pronouncing words anymore. <laughs> Cover artist Arthur Adams and Peter Steigerwald. What would you think of the cover with Polaris and Zorn and all the other kids? having fun this is not my favorite Polaris costume so right um and she's what? she's using her magnet powers on her boobs I'll say that yes <laughs> see I like the face and the crown um but I don't and I like the boots and the cape works but the rest of it because I don't understand why she's got is that like Flesh on either side of her hips, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a cutout on her her torso. Why? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. 
I do. I do agree with you. I like the mask though, and the cape is very like Magneto esque. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but so um, I like the use of green. It's always a nice color to have on a front cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it pops, and it goes with the Secret Empire dress at the top. Right. Yeah. But it's not the best cover this series has had. No. For sure. No. Not the worst either, I, I would think. No, no, definitely not. No. So, we start with monologuing. And um, <laughs> we continue to monologue until we can't monologue no more. Um, so, we, we we pick it up on New Tian and um, our Utopia or the Sovereign Mutant Nation. Pick your card, whichever you want. Um and we have Danger fighting all of the weird secondary mutated people. We have um, Bobby, young Bobby, Warren, and Hank being useless. We have Briar just living it up. We have Scott being mentally tortured. And we have Zorn like, looking at something shiny. Um, and that's just the fragment. first page. Yeah. Um, so it's all action all the way, basically. And then talking about headdresses, we move to Polaris, who now has a really horrible headdress on her head. Yeah. Um, um, and he, she's fighting the Phantom of the Opera, also known as Hack Havoc. <laughs> and they have, and base, basically, um, she could easily just end this fight, but she decides to make it a little bit more fun. And that um, Wolverine number five and gene <laughs> run off and save the uh save the day and we'll get some fun polaris dialogue in there so wolverine and wolverine number five and gene or jimmy <laughs> and gene oh see that their names go together so they're obviously going to have a freeway romance mm-hmm. um and so they go to find the boys and help the boys out and gene from afar finds them telepathically, and then telekinetically takes their inhibitor collars off, which means, boom, powers, and then shunk, they're released via Metal Claw means, and Iceman, Ice hulks up, and they are like, let's go kick ass, um, and find Cyclops, but kick ass is more important. And in the meantime, Polaris wins, everyone's fighting, they find Briar, Briar's like, oh, do you fancy a drink? Well, she doesn't actually say that, but that would have been hilarious if she did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and Danger's basically like, you people are really rubbish, um, even with your secondary, tertiary, and whatever other mutations you now have. And Polaris just joins the fight to basically murder a, a group, a pack of wolf spains. Um, and then, oh no, the young, the young, our young mutants are confronted with wavy Cyclops eyes and uh, Emma Frost with um, Zorn. And Emma is... Full on super villain here. Like there's oh, no, yeah. there's no, there's, there's no, there's no gray area. It's black and white. I am going to use this sort of enhanced power I seem to have to um, mind, mind massage your sorceress, sorcerer to death. While um, Cyclops just basically takes out the rest of you, and Zorn does even more damage, and. It's a big old fight where nothing really happens until um, Deus Ex Phoenix and Jean's on the like, no, 
I'm Cyclops. And then Emma's all like, he's mine. And then it's like, let's fight over a man. And then um, they have a massive fight. But because she's Jean Grey and unfortunately, you know, she's Jean Grey, uh, Emma loses. And Emma turns to Diamond and everyone's free. And then you have to fight Mondo and Flame Tongue Toad and Firestar, which lasts about 10 seconds. And they fly away. And then Polaris is like, me and Danger, you new teachers. And I'm like, yay. And then Magneto <laughs> talks to Cyclops. And, and, and then Magneto's all like, you're blasphemy. And then boom, Emma Frost and Phantom of the Opera are now friends with um, Goth Chick and Robot Android Man. Uh, the end. Yeah. Yeah, that was Magneto <laughs> and uh, Captain America. I think he said Cyclops, not to nitpick. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so so we see this kind of Magneto standing up to to Hydra Cap and basically saying, yeah, I actually really like that scene because Captain America's like, I thought we had an understanding. You were going to lay low. I wasn't going to kill you. And Magneto's basically like, well, first of all, the X-Men don't do what I say. And even if they did, you, if you weren't going to kill me, you would have already done it. So, uh, screw you. <laughs> that was Which a... plays directly, if you haven't read it, I don't want to spoil it, it plays directly to a payoff in in uh, Secret Empire number nine. Ah, right. nice. Uh, it's on my next, it's top of my stack to do after this. So. so, it was nice to see that there was actually some sort of payoff with the X-Men in that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how did you how did you feel about the end of Secret Empire, all the revelations, all the green energy, all of the secondary mutations, and Ice Hulk? Um, I actually kind of enjoyed the book. Um, I thought the art was inconsistent. I wasn't sure. You know, Corey Smith. You know, we, we've kind of had a little strange journey with him the last couple issues. Um, wasn't so great, and then last issue number eight was really solid. This issue was like he ran out of time. I can kind of tell what's him, and I think I like it better than the other, but there's definitely some rush panels. Um, you, know, <laughs> you described it very, very briefly as, you know, Gene and Emma fighting over a man, which makes it sound terrible, but I actually kind of enjoyed yeah. that a little bit. Um, the, the idea of Emma trying to reshape young Scott into the Scott she was in love with, I thought was... Very X Men y. Um, right. That um, made sense to me. Yeah. And then her blaming Gene for that not working kind of ties back into the Grant Morrison era where she was jealous of Gene, even jealous of Gene's memory. Um, and that was kind of a hiccup in the Emma Scott relationship for a while, you know, even down to the whole, you know, tel- telepathic role playing. Um, <laughs> and so. So her kind of just assuming that Jean is the reason her plans aren't working also kind of made sense to me and felt very X-Men-y. Um, so I enjoyed this story and didn't even mind as much the secondary mutation stuff. And I like that they at least said, you know, Polaris was at least like, Havoc, this isn't you. Which is, you know, if you remember the way we all kind of felt when he first showed up in this story. Um, so... You know, we didn't really get an answer necessarily, though. Well, what do you guys think? Because we definitely get get the revelation that Emma is mind-controlling most of the people that are working for her, particularly Zorn. But I didn't feel the way that Havoc was talking, that he was her puppet. What did you guys think? I think um, Havoc's her partner 
Yeah. And all of the pieces are starting to fit together, and we're going to see Emma have like a little team of her own. Okay. Um, possibly. And I think maybe Cyclops is the... Because Havoc saves Emma in the thing we shall not name. Um, no, IVX. At the end of IVX, it's Havoc that sort of saves her from right. being like annihilated and was like, that's what Scott would have wanted, sort of thing. And I thought that was it for their... F- for their friendship because he was all like I'll we'll probably not be friends next time we meet but I kind of make it to me it makes sense that they'd work together okay like o- over the death of Scott because especially if he's still twisted and not a good person anymore I'm so confused in what's inverted and what's not anymore <laughs> <laughs> it happened it happened so many years ago it feels like it should have all been fixed by now but, um to be honest, even though I described it um, in a not favourable light, I do I did quite enjoy most of it, and I think um, it needs to be. It's she still needs to be handled better, but I think we're we're making steps towards Emma turning evil because she's lost a man into a bit more than Emma turning evil because she lost a man. Right. Um, and I think that desperately needs to happen because the character deserves better than to be like one noted like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I generally think that the best thing that comes out of the book is the fact that Polaris is going, Polaris and Danger are going to be in it a lot more. Yeah, right. That's cool. So, yeah, I, I think it's not bad, and it's probably the, one of the stronger issues of the Secret Empire. Science. Crossover. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's still not like I still just want it to return back to its status quo and then move on from all of this. Right. And mm. they can they can maybe fight Emma in their own terms rather than her being the rule of some Hydra, some sort of country or whatever. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me that that especially if Havoc is still inverted, that he would be on that side. And I do understand the White Queen, like still being so upset about what happened to Scott. Like they were together for like a long couple of years, and they had like a really strong mental connection as well right where they were like living in each other's brains all the time so for her to like to lose him the way that she did is almost like losing a piece of her own brain like something she was connected to and to not be able to get over it uh at least you know quickly makes sense to me um oh yeah i don't want to get over it i just wanted i think it was always ill-conceived like the way she would do go out it like it's totally fine that she goes like a bit dark about it, but it, the way it has been written has been completely sort of. Uh, it doesn't give any substance to it other than she's just upset because right. her lover is dead, and that's that is in the fault of. It's not just. It's not really not Bun's fault. He's picking up the pieces of what's basically happened, and I know that Hopeless is going to do the same because isn't Emma about to like join um, Jean Grey? Uh, the the comic she's about to literally be in that so really yeah but I think it's yeah, an yeah, adversary yeah. though right because isn't it called psychic war or something like that exactly so and I I believe uh, um, Bun and Hopeless will probably have a better time trying to flesh out Emma's motivations more than right what we what we did get and to be honest um, her appearance in Secret Empire nine sounds more like Emma Frost. Well, that's good. We've I've I've read in I've read in a while. Um, so it's, let's hope let's hope that um, 
we, we can move forward. I think it, it's it, it's all good, and I do do like the callback to Grant Morrison's run because you know Jane is annoying. Um, <laughs> so I think some some of it um, it works. It just works well as the normal X Men thing, where it's like we're all fine. All the most powerful mutants are free. Let's do it. Let's go. Um, and I think they've got a good direction going forward. So right, yeah, how it goes. So as I, uh... As far as the artwork goes, I'm not really a fan that much. I think I've said before of the uh, the the normal artist on here. I don't think he's bad. It's just not my thing. But I did sort of like the dreamscape, mindscape artwork that was sort of wonky here. Maybe that's the other artist who's coming in to fill in. Yeah. But that was more interesting to me than what was happening in the normal pages. Um, more stylized. I'm more of a you know stylized art kind of a guy. So I really did like that. I think the color work on the book is maybe the best the best part of the book. Um, Agreed. I'm glad to see Polaris in there. Um, I, the Magneto moment was amazing. Uh, I'm glad to see him, him stand up the cap. Yeah, and, that was great. Uh, and as you said, that issue nine is is it's quite nice uh, moment for Magneto as well. So um, I, I'm glad that the tie-in is over. I think they handled it maybe as best as they could, but. My other complaint is that at the end, you know, Miss Sinister and Bastion show up, and it's like, do they really hint at Bastion that much? What is this like leading into? <laughs> I don't think there's enough breadcrumbs to really make this this feel appealing. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Georgie, we we usually agree a lot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna happily disagree because we don't have enough contention on this show um <laughs> i actually thought i had reverse feelings on the art i didn't love uh Corey smith either but i didn't didn't really care for the the really angular um facial expressions and stuff in the for the other artist um but since it is a podcast that goes snicked i do want to mention there's a page towards the beginning where Gene and, and Wolverine number five, which just makes me think, Dan, of Mambo number five. And I want to say a little bit of Logan <laughs> and then just name all the Wolverine characters. <laughs> but anyway, there's there's a scene where they, they're fighting some Hellfire Club goons. Um, right. And and uh, Jimmy, Wolverine number five, says, I may not remember the good old days, but this is how I imagine when he does the classic Wolverine jump with his arms, like kind of cocked behind him, claws out. And and one of the Hellfire guys goes, oh, crap, he's got claws. And I just really love that. Um, it reminded me of that classic issue of Uncanny yes. X-Men where Wolverine goes nuts under the Hellfire Club mansion and, and on, ironically enough, carves up three Hellfire Club goons. And I like to think that obviously these are not the same guys. Those guys go on to be Reavers and whatnot. But um, I like to think that's the stuff kind of a legend in Hellfire Club goons. And they go to bars and they're like, I'll just be glad you didn't have to fight Wolverine, you know. And so when he, when he, when these guys see the claws pop out, it just seemed like a very I don't know funny kind of reaction to me. Oh, so, that was I, I I agree with you. I love that that panel. Actually, that page is quite nice. Yeah. So, um, I may actually disagree. I I I, I actually quite like the first art. art. Um, is it Corey Smith? And I'm not too far, I'm not too bothered about the last guy, so I'm sort of that type of thing. Because I really like the unless the last guy I did, the, I like the panel where um, Emma's like sort of a ghost attacking Beast, um, where she's sort of like her astral form 
It's just attacking people left, right, and center. Mm. In smoky, in smoky, angry, angriness. Yeah. I don't even know which artist that is because it, it gets a bit confusing. It actually looks like a third artist to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure either. Um, so what's going on with Scott's optic blast here? I've seen we've seen hints of that in the Bendis from. run, right? Yeah, this because isn't this um, it all new X Men? So this yeah. is like Bendis's when he was broken. So obviously right. when he goes mental, okay, oh, it's like yeah. his, his beam shatters, goes haywire. Right. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Well, so I want to mention one one other thing that irks me here was that uh, Gene and Scott's psychic rapport is like now back and it's permanent apparently. Oh right. Yeah, that's I don't a... like them bringing those things back. Like, make the cut, make the cut clean. I don't need to go back to what happened in the '80s for these two characters. They they're they're different characters, right? And like forcing them to sort of be together again feels very forced here at the end. I still think, and I know he's integral to this. Uh, they've made him integral to this plot, but I still think Scott should leave this team and stay yes. on the champions. Agreed. I I would be okay with that too. I've I've enjoyed him in this book, but I yeah I I like him in the champions as well. And I think he had grown more as a character in the champions. And if you just got rid of um, Scott, it doesn't really do much. If you know what I mean, like cause right. you've got Jimmy there as like a semi replacement. I'm sure you could find some other mutant. There's like a million mutants. I'm sure you could just pluck one from the encyclopedia and just drop yeah. it in there and it'll be fine. <laughs> well, and I, so, I really enjoyed during the various points of the various volumes of all new X-Men. They didn't always have to stay together. You know, was a, there was a right. pretty big swath where Gene left the team. Um, Scott was gone for a while. And to me, that's that kind of shows like, you know, now that they're here, like they can kind of go their separate ways and do their separate things, and because like after maybe after I wouldn't have minded if after this he's like I've had a bit of enough. I might just like uh, chill, right? With my um, my my champions buddies. Because I'd be like, fair enough, done, dusted. And it, it would fun. it would fit right. Scott too, right? Remember the big issue with him and with the duffel bag walking away from the team on the cover? Like, oh, he, right, he's, yeah. he's kind of a quitter in general, so. <laughs> <laughs> Puts on his kids. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so when do you when do you guys want to grade X Men Blue number nine? I'm going straight in with a three. I think it, it it's okay. It's good. It's sim. It's, it it doesn't like destroy anything. It doesn't like break the mold. But it's a it's a decent sort of read and it, it's it, it runs at a good pace. It's quite it's because it's an action comic essentially, so right. it just runs yeah. at a great sort of pace. The art isn't amazing, but it works well enough for what what we have. All right. I'm surprised to say it, but I'm I'm probably gonna go with the four here. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. I think they tied up this crossover quite well and. Um, I don't know. I just, I just enjoyed this. Maybe something intangible. Maybe it was having Polaris in there that that made it enjoyable more, like more enjoyable for me. But right. I'm gonna give this a four. Yeah, I'm also gonna go a four. Um, I think I enjoy, was on the the more enjoyable side of this as well. And had the art been better, I could have even gone a little higher. But um, man, I keep thinking. Wait till just wait till Jorge Molina comes back in this book. How good it's gonna look and. You know, I know we'll have to deal with Mojo at that point, which I'm not excited about, but I'm excited to have him come back to the, to the book. But yeah, so 
you know, if it would have been better art, maybe a little higher, but I'll, I'll go with the four out of six claws as well. All right. So now we're going to move to the end of the episode. <laughs> well, a long one. We've been kind of, yeah, we're going on a long little roller coaster. Kind of saw the dip in Weapon X related stories. And we had some good books with Iceman and Blue. And now we're going to kind of go back <laughs> uh, the other way a little bit. So real quickly, we'll talk about Astonishing X-Men number two and X-Men Gold number 10. Astonishing X-Men number two is, where did the credits go? Uh, Life of X, Part 2, written by Charles Soule, art by Mike Diodato Jr., and our revolving door of all-star artists for this book. Uh, Frank Martin is the colorist. VCs Clayton Cowles is the letterer. And the cover is by Diodato Jr. and Marcelo Maiolo. And this cover has our X-Men in a theater with their faces replaced by skulls. And all I got to say is this oddly made me feel like it was me reading these comics. <laughs> um, so in that respect, it's not a bad cover. <laughs> now, what do you guys think of the cover? The weird kind of skull-faced X-Men? It, I did not enjoy this cover. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Dan, any thoughts? It reminds me slightly of They Live. Um, <laughs> right, right. But I, I'm just like, like you said, if ever, if ever a cover could capture your internal um, feelings <laughs> about astonishing X, X Men, I feel like this is this is it. It's yeah. almost as if as if they knew um, going in. Right. Yep. All right. So inside, we're we're in the Shadow King's realm. Um, Shadow King is arguing with Professor X, maybe. Um, I guess I guess that's maybe the one interesting part of the book is what's going on there. Um, about the X-Men, whether they'll be able to realize they're in the Shadow Realm, what they'll do. Um, Charles Soule takes a pile of pot shots at X-Men Gold. Um, <laughs> I felt like, and Dan, you brought, actually brought that up, so I'll give Dan the credit for that. But once I read it, I was like, yep, I knew exactly what lines you were talking about, what scenes you were talking about, um, talking about, you know, it's safer to go with what's familiar, comfort food. It works until it doesn't. Um, right. Even the kitty moments shoving in our faces. Sort of yeah, thing. right, right. Um, right, totally. There is a cool scene um, of... Professor X in chains and Spider Shadow King, you know, at this old far eastern bar with a lot of spider webs. It reminded me of Shadow King's first appearance. It was visually interesting. Um, then there's these weird. So basically, the Shadow King, I guess his his game here is to make the X Men watch like a movie of their lives, where he changes the details. Like he, I guess he's trying to reform their backstories. So they'll get stuck here. I guess if he makes it better for them somehow, they'll just be like, okay, we're not going to leave. Um, back in the real world, uh, Psylocke, Bishop, and um, who else? There's another person there. Exactly. Who else? Angel. Oh, Angel. Angel. Yes, yes. Yeah. They basically just argue to argue. Um, 
We see some new Ministry of Defense. Um, and they talk about how the X-Men, you know, are unpredictable. Um, old man Logan, while he's making out with Jean, realizes, or is the first to realize that this isn't real life. Um, and so the X-Men break loose. Um, Ollie does not like that. Um, somehow, even in the not real world, Old Man Logan can still smell uh, Mystique's B.O. I don't know how that works, but um, we realize that even in the dream world or the shadow world, that Beast is really Mystique. Um, then they get doors with their faces on them and walk through them. And then I guess the end is we realize that whoever this this either Professor X or not Professor X wants the X-Men to die. To be continued. Um, what do you guys think of the art, Mr. Diodato, in this book? I actually like the art better than the previous issues. I, I think that was the, the high point for me are the panels that show Shadow King and Professor X like locked in this sort of battle of chess. Yeah. I think artistically it's quite on fire. This is probably like some of the better Diodato stuff I've seen in recent times. Like the right. color the color works really nice and I love the overall color of blue. That mm-hmm. like sort of like frames the whole thing. Yeah. Totally does, yeah. yeah and I like the, that too. the spider web slash sort of almost like um, cracked glass imagery. I think it's just a really like solid artistic sort of um, thing. However, I will quote Rogue in Oh, What the Hell Is This um, for the story itself because <laughs> um, I'm like, is there any point? Yeah, it was kind of hard to follow just... too, I thought. Yeah. Because I know that, that could be purposeful because they're in the uh, astral plane and it's a confusing place, but I'm like, so Wolverine can smell people? That makes little to no sense and why why she's still beast when she should have been mystique all along because it's a right. psyche not like and then we have to cut to my ministry my underfunded ministry of defense chatting for some unknown reason um <laughs> about like oh they were friends <laughs> just to add pages i feel and i don't know I just the most interesting thing is the conversation between um professor X, not Professor X, and um, the Shadow King. That's it. The rest of it's just sort of there. Yeah, right. I agree. Visually interesting. Uh, I don't know, what did you say? Word-wise, <laughs> kind of boring. Yeah, boring story. And it's I find it I find it interesting interesting and slightly ironic that um, Sewell is taking pot shots at Guggenheim <laughs> about his writing. <laughs> And about nostalgia, when, let's be honest, look at his team. Um, <laughs> right. So I found it quite, like, I thought they were unnecessary. Like, he's trying to be, like, meta-critical and clever when it just comes off as basically prickish. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, artistically, I, I did really like it. So there's always that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, what do you guys want to grade Astonishing X-Men number two? I think the art carries it completely, and I'm going to give it a three out of 
um, <laughs> six, six, um, and for the conversation between the two psychics. Right. Yeah. Psychic. Yep. I you basically just rewind, listen to what Dan said, and that's what I say. <laughs> Three out of six claws, all for the art. Yep. I think we're all lined. I'm the same way. Great, great artwork, like visually interesting. Crap story. Yep. Three out of six. Yep, yep. Talking of crap stories. Very well said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's wrap up with X-Men goal number 10. Saving the, the best for last. Saving the best for last. Let's see if... Uh, if he takes some pot shots at Astonishing X-Men. No, he doesn't. Um, I don't know what this word is, but it's part one of Encane. Encane. I'm Encane. Encane. Anyway, written by Mark Guggenheim, penciled by Lan Medina, inked by Jay. Shh, listen. Colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Corey Petit, or Pettit. Oh, she didn't hear me. She didn't hear me. Um, the cover... I like how your woohoo is like the life has been sucked out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the cover is by Ken Lashley and David Curiel. Um, we've had not great things to say about Ken Lashley. I actually enjoyed this cover. Um, so Manga Red kneeling in the dirt with his life-sucking coils out, and above him they make an Omega symbol. Maybe a little too much on the nose, a little corny, but the way the shadow plays and everything, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not too bad. I always think, because they always really heavily shadow Omega Red's bottom jaw, so I always think he's got no bottom jaw. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I thought, I generally, I kind of smiled. When I looked at it, I kind of smiled, because when I think Omega Red, I think that terrible X-Men animated series episode. Oh, man. Um and then I also think of um, him basically throttling Jubilee. They're the two images that come to my head <laughs> when I think of Mega Red. Mm. And it's funny that um, he's popped up sort of after the main storyline, like uh, after three storylines. Because I feel like it's following the Claremont storylines. Like yeah. This, then this, then Omega Red. And then next we'll get... Um, like the the stuff at Madripoor, and then um, he's just recycling <laughs> the ideas as we go forward. He found um, the outline. Yeah. All right. He's got it stapled to his desk. Um, oh. <laughs> all right. So in here we have a girl running through Russia. Omega Red captures her and sucks the life out of her. Um, then we go back. The X Men are playing poker. Um, Old Man Logan can smell when you bluff. So. You know, that works. Uh, Kenny and Colossus have a moment. Uh, later, we found out. Apparently, this happens after they took a trip to Washington. So, or did that happen? I can't remember. Did that happen in the that last, the last issue? That was the last issue. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> um, so, then Blind Spot, that's her name, right? Comes in and says there's a Blind. phone. <laughs> Blindfolds. <laughs> oh, Blindspot's blind the guy from Daredevil. Never mind. Other, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Colossus is like, in Mother Russia, landline call you. <laughs> uh, and he goes and answers the phone, and it says, Uncle. His evil uncle, which... Was Martin Guggenheim still riding Arrow during the season where the guy said Bratva five times an episode? Possibly. Okay, well, anyway, in this, this issue, they say Bravo at least 100 times. Uh, oh. And I, I I picture this guy as that guy from uh, Arrow. And um, 
and so I hear his voice, and he keeps talking about the Bratva and how he got tied up, and but he didn't want to be there anymore, and he was disowned by the family. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but um, and they so they get a hologram of Omega Red because that's who they're gonna have to fight, and so they're gonna go to Russia and figure it out, and so Magic shows up, so Ileana's gonna go with her brother. And they meet their possibly uncle, um, but he was followed by the Bratva bad guys. And we quote unquote followed, yeah. Yeah, quote unquote followed. Um, I do like his little square fur Russian hat. You can't can't go wrong with those. Um, <laughs> and so we find out that there was a magic ceremony after they got the body of Omega Red from the hand. They brought him back to life, um, but it's not permanent. They need some more magic to make the spell permanent. So you can see where that's going to go. Um, so anyway, while the goldfish team is... I forgot, Georgie, you were supposed to remind me to call this X-Men goldfish. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So while, while the goldfish team is fighting the, I don't know, Russian light zombies. Monkeys? Yeah, monkeys. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they suddenly realize that Ileana is gone. And old man Logan is going to interrogate the uncle, but he's like, I do not know, Bratva, take her. And um, so we see, we go back to the Bratva base where not Doctor Strange has turned his cape into a um, scarf. And and actually, probably the best panel of the book, Ileana looks up at Omega Red scared, and we know that they're going to try to use her magic to make him alive permanently. And TV continued. TV continued, yeah. So I got to say, I think that Lan Medina is probably my favorite X-Men Gold artist so far. I actually kind of enjoyed the art. Apart from Nightcrawler's weird scars. That's (laughs) from the movie, right? Maybe he hasn't read old Nightcrawler issues. He just saw the movie. And, and, and there's some panels where faces are weird. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not forces. perfect. But no, no, you, you're, prob- you're probably right. I'm I'm happy to announce that I feel like I live in the 90s again. With Well, like living the Chris Claremont years where everyone's saying yet and da and whatever <laughs> that they can right. throw, at the, throw at the... I was just like, really? Because we even start with like a triple yet and I'm just like... Uh, this is how it's going to go, isn't it? This whole thing, because they're going to have broken Russian sort of pretend faux English. Right. And, yeah. I do love that the most powerful, because essentially at this time, Ileana is probably more powerful than anyone else on this team, yet she's right. just randomly kidnapped That's by my these... biggest problem. Like, she's such <sighs> a badass, and she's taken out by these, like, flunkies. Like, two flunkies take her out. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like that. I didn't care for it. Um... Oh. Nightcrawler literally trying to kill that man. It that looks like it. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, he uh, like turns his neck all the way around. <laughs> and and they 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 quote they almost quote X Men uh, the film uh, with only that like any men they're vulnerable to lightning. Yeah. And I was like, oh wow. Well, if you're gonna give her a line, you might as well. You know, <laughs> give her what uh, she's already that said. Does actually get at least two lines in this book. So my count, I should have like a chart on the wall for X Men Gold and whether Storm is used as a character or not in each issue. Right. But guess who's sidelined this issue? So, um, she wasn't really side. Well, yeah, yeah, she was. They're all sidelined. 
Well, I mean, like, we have the, the Omega mutant on this team who has only one line and barely shows up in the background. Yep. That would be that'd be Rachel? Oh, come on, Dan, use her official X-Men name. I'm not, no. I forgot. <laughs> Paramore? Is it Paramore? Uh, Prestige. 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 Oh, no, Paramore is that band with the red-headed girl. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Paramore would have been a better name, though. Yes. <laughs> but um, uh. I must admit that, although the art's an improvement, I'm just like Omega Red. Fight. It made sense when she, he was fighting like just Wolverine and is it Maverick? Yeah. That dude yeah. with the weird base plate and Jubilee. <laughs> but I'm like he's fighting Storm and <laughs> and Rachel. Great. He's gonna last like ten seconds, surely. Um, but yeah, he's well, that's been, why he needs magic think... to beef him up. Remember, they were all taken out by a guy with a couple of guns. In a previous... Oh yeah, actually, so yeah, this 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 X team is useless. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't. It lost me when Ileana was kidnapped. It kind of lost me when they started saying, like. Hello, I'm in Russia. Russia signal, mobile signal is really good here. Um, you know, sort of <laughs> bullshit and all this random language. The dialogue's terrible. I just can't read it. I find it. I find it quite a headache-inducing read, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I hated it as much as maybe some of the issues in the past. But yeah, I'm just kind of ready for. This book either go away or someone else do it. <laughs> it's it's very meh, isn't it? This yeah. issue, it's very like yeah. Yeah, you know, part of me but wants like, to say I could give it a three it's, because it's meh he, in the bad way, like yeah, right, it's right. not terrible where you hate it, but you're like that was I guess that was a, a couple of pages of comic books. So yeah. <laughs> it's already left my brain. Right. It's, it's like it's like that vanilla it's like vanilla ice cream that you've left in the freezer for too long and it's got ice crystals and you remember <laughs> it exists and if you eat it and it's not quite as good as you thought it was when you were about right. to eat it. Right. <laughs> X Men Gold <laughs> like freezer burn. That, that yeah, can go on the trade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, you go first. What do you want to grade X Men Gold number ten? Uh, it's just so mad. I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm just gonna give it uh, the two, because it's not terrible. It's not like upsetting me, but it's just it, it's about as use. It's it's less useful than toilet paper, <laughs> and it's it's just forgettable. And all I keep thinking is, I look at the end panel of Magic looking up, and surely the conclusion to that meeting is Magic just beating the living hell out of him. Right, <laughs> but probably not. Right. <laughs> And is he about to stick his tendril in her mouth? I don't know. That's unsettling. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a clever ploy, and it was their plan all along for Magic to be kidnapped, because that's the only way it would happen oh, in my head. Oh, maybe right? so. Well, they sure seemed upset about it. Magic is one of my favorite X-Men characters. So, like, when she was featured heavily in the all-new days... It was like I was I was like in heaven, and there were like hints to her, like training under Doctor Strange. I was like, that's a great plot idea. But then they stopped kind of using her, and now she's really much a, a background character. And to see her just 
taken out by three flunkies is so disappointing. It's... When she when she when she was like single handedly fighting Avengers off in Avengers vs X Men, <laughs> or like imprisoning people, or like transporting entire populations across the globe. Right. Um, and here she's like, two uh, people hit me. I'm down. I've got teleporting powers, but I guess you've got an arm on me, so I'm stuck here. Right. I, I think I'm with Dan. I'm at a, a two out of six. I think the artwork is much better than it was previously. Um, not that it's great artwork, but it, it feels like, you know, average comic book artwork. But the story here is just so... I, I, I want to forget it. I think I've already forgotten it. What book was this again? <laughs> two out of six. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll stay in line with you guys. I'll go two out of six as well. The art almost kind of puts it up to a three for me, but I'm I'm with you guys. It's, it's kind of insulting to me the way the magic is, is used here, and it's just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying really, really hard, guys, to approach each issue of gold as if it's a new book and... Try not to let my baggage and disappointment from the previous issues weigh on it. And it's just getting harder and harder to do that, to disconnect it from just my overall feelings about the book in general. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that love this book, and more power to you. Keep buying it if it's your cup of tea. Um, I'm just kind of over it. Yeah. It's kind of, for me, when you know when you get your pile of comics or whatever you and you see that it's part of the pile. Um, it, it kind of equates to that sort of plate of food analogy where you eat the stuff you don't like first real quick. <laughs> right. so I, I, I always read it first just to get it out of the way. <laughs> like, so it's just... Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming on, helping us kind of... We're coming to the end of our anniversary month for five years, so... Thanks for coming back. Y'all got two episodes in for that, so I appreciate oh. it. Um, we wrapped up Mutants, or Whimpers of Mutant Destruction. Um, oh. Got to rave about Iceman, and kind of we, we were mostly raving about X-Men Blue, and then, you know, just kind of talked about the other books. <laughs> um, but, no, it was fun, and I always love when you guys were able to come on, so we will reconvene soon. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing your commentary on uh, Wolverine Origins. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I'll go ahead. I, I disclaimer that at the beginning of the last episode. But it, yeah, so this is 252. If you're looking at your iTunes, there's a big hole where 250 should be. I'm going to leave the movie on 250. We're just going to pull a little, little magic shell or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, so that episode will be out as soon as we can get it done. So. Yeah, but as far as what's next, I don't know what will happen between now. Um, we'll reconvene soon to keep talking about X books. Um, our flashback schedules have been kind of put on hold for a little bit, but we'll hopefully get back to that pretty soon as well. So, Georgie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at la boy toy. Awesome. Anything else you want to say? Um. Any piece of advice you would like our esteemed listeners to hear? Mm, always wash. Always wash. Good. And that can apply to a myriad of things. Yeah. Um, stay clean. <laughs> stay clean. 
<laughs> All right, Dan, what about you? Where can people find well, you? Um, thanks for letting us talk about X-Men again. And you can find me on Twitter at or you can just type in the comics pod into Google and you'll find my voice on the interwebs that way. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. And what's your piece of wisdom? Uh, always try to have fun, even when faced with X-Men gold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, as usual, you can, uh, for the podcast that goes, Nick, you can like the Facebook page if you want. Twitter is at SnickCast. That's probably more fun. Um, and if you're into show notes and stuff, though my show notes lately have just been, these are the issues, go for it. Um, <laughs> I used to like give like a time breakout, but <laughs> I kind of quit doing that. Um, but anyway, if you want the show notes, they're at snickcast.podbean.com. And um, I guess my advice would be never snacked when you should snicked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway um until next time everybody hugs and snicks uh thank you guys again georgie and dan for coming on and thank making you. my saturday afternoon a little bit more awesome. fun thanks yeah so awesome all right well you guys take care bye all right bye bye, bye. and snacked <laughs>